Um, welcome to Critical Eye Night. My name's Tom Radley. Thank you for joining me for this particular podcast. Now, we, we're, we're heading into Christmas, and you know it because there's a whole range of uh, Christmas images all over the place, particularly with uh, people like Philip Lowe, the Governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia, being painted as a Grinch, given that the interest rates have been hiked up in the lead-up to Christmas. Now, there are some... Uh, reasons why that's taking place and there's merit in exploring it in a bit more in a little bit more depth uh, particularly with one of the larger accounting organizations in the country now policy advisor oh, this is a bit like a christmas reunion in some respects policy advisor who knows a lot about the area and has looked at it for years is gavin award from cpa australia we're going to take a dive into what the interest rate decision means for the economy and small business in particular and some other issues that kick around that small business space. Gavin, thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Tommy. Thanks, Tom. Good to see you again. Oh, it, 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 it's, uh, as I said, it's a bit like a Christmas reunion. We don't do this often enough, but um, there's, there's, a, there's a good excuse to have the conversation. Now, interest rates have gone up to 3.1%. Um, the banks are no doubt going to respond, and that has a range of consequences for like, for the economy and small business in particular. What are your key takeaways from the RBA's decision yesterday? Well, the key takeaways are that they remain focused, laser-like focus on tackling interest rates, sorry, infl- inflation, and they're using interest rates to do that. I, I think what they're seeing is that uh, interest rates are not starting to abate as quickly as they would like. So they've also said that to expect at least a couple more interest rate increases in next year. So th- they're still very much focused on tackling interest uh, inflation through interest rates. And you know, our members are telling us that while they're seeing some changes in consumer behaviour, their clients are seeing some changes in consumer behaviour, it's probably not to the extent that the RBA would be happy with at this time. So I think the messaging has been and will continue to be that interest rates will go, go up. And part of the reason for that messaging is to try and uh, use that to actually influence consumer behaviour as well. So. They're using two methods. They're raising interest rates and also talking about the raising interest rates. And both of those uh, hopefully will have an impact on, a larger impact on consumer behaviour. If we flip that around, because if you, it, it, uh, that's you know, the RBA's general lever that they pull. If we flip it around and analyse it a bit more, we talk about, when we talk about consumer behaviour, if I've got to, if I'm in the lead up to Christmas, if I'm somebody sitting in the suburbs of you know Brunswick or Bankstown or Broome in WA, I've got a a mortgage I'm paying off. So there's a lot of discretionary spending that doesn't happen when things tighten. What's a small bit and a small business on the shopping strip is going to struggle, aren't they? Well, it depends on the business. So uh, I, I think people will shift their spending. They'll still spend, but they'll spend in different ways. So uh, 
we are already hearing stories about um, people sharing dessert at restaurants uh, or ordering cheaper alternatives. So they, it depends on how businesses react. Um, if uh, their margin, if they can keep their margins through those cheaper alternatives, that still will be a, uh, they'll still be able to manage through. But there will be businesses, particularly at the very discretionary spending area, that will, will struggle the most. But there are ways to manage through this situation. And most of those are about having potentially cheaper alternatives to their current product lines or service lines. There's another there's another issue, isn't there, with small business when things are really, really tight. You know, um, sometimes business people who do their own thing can be particularly stubborn. How important is it for uh, people to set their stubbornness aside and actually have a conversation with an advisor uh, at a time when things are really, really tight. You know, they can be they can be sort of the whiz bang on entrepreneur. That's why they set the business up. But there's a point in time where they've got to turn around, isn't there, and say, uh, "Hold on, um, I'm not doing so well here. How do I pivot?" And obviously, you use that word pivot, uh, but um, it's a word we don't like. But I have to put that aside. Say it's a great question. Yes, there is. There comes a point in time where businesses need to engage your advisor. Very few businesses have managed through a high inflation environment. Uh, so it's been thirty plus years since we've seen inflation at this level for a sustained period. So very few businesses have that skill to manage through this. So. Yeah, there are, there are ways in which a business can develop those management skills. Uh, you can get it through education, but that takes a lot long time, and that's just not practical. So you do you should be going to see your advisor. Your advisor can run through alternatives. You can, they can look at your pricing strategy. They can look at your product or service line. There's a whole range of things they can do to help you get through this period, uh, and also. In these periods, there's opportunities. Even in difficult times, there are opportunities emerge. So don't also close your eyes to opportunities. But at the same time, if they do emerge, speak to your advisor because they, they're the best people to tell you how to t exploit an opportunity, how to manage through tough times, just how to... And sometimes they'll tell you, I'm sorry, but your business, is, your business just can't get through this period. And that's um, one part of the conversation. It's a function of sort of people. Uh, when it comes to that point, uh, it's a function of people actually uh, you know, setting aside their own pride, isn't it? Because it's yes. it's kind of it's humbling to end up with a end up seeing something that you had a grand vision for um, falling flat on its face. At a time that you had no, you know, it, it, through no fault of, of your own, but it just happens. Yeah. Uh, it, it, how big is that an issue with the CPA Australia membership at the moment in terms of having conversations with clients? What are you hearing? Anything? Yeah, there's. We're hearing that there are more of those conversations happening. Uh, we're hearing that. Uh, a lot of the directors are starting to initiate some of those conversations. 
So they're seeing, for example, director penalty notices, notices from the ATO. That is sort of focus their mind on, you know, is continuing the business the right thing to do? So there are more of those conversations. We probably think there's not enough of them. Um, and you said, like, the, as you said in your preamble about the stubbornness of some people. Um, but, yeah, just sometimes you just got to get over it and talk to people. And you know, when, when we speak to members who are uh, insolvency practitioners, obviously they find it very hard. The business owner finds it very hard when the business is in trouble. But um, I, I've heard um, insolvency practitioners say it was a tough time, but you know, two years down the track they see the same person on the street and that person comes up to them and says, you know what, it was tough at the time, but it was the right decision. Thank you for what you did for my business. So with the benefit of hindsight, they see the advantages of t seeking advice and potentially closing a business. But yeah, it's, it's just sometimes very hard for people to see the wood through the trees, as they say. I guess he, there's also another, and it's slightly tangential to, to your focus on, on small business, I know, but there's also a need, isn't there, for... Um, people who are running their own enterprise to also think carefully about, um, for example, even succession planning. If they're getting on and they're the, the, the person that started a business in a family, if we can take a family a situation, family-owned business, and they're finding it stressful. So there's a succession planning issue as well, isn't there? Yes, and, and just on that, we, we also hear from members that it has been hard, the last few years, it has been harder to encourage family members to get into the business, to the family business. They've seen how hard the owner has worked or the owners have worked in the business during COVID and post-COVID, and the risk-reward doesn't start to match up. So... It's it's a challenge if you're feeling you want to pass your business on within your family. Uh, you need to – are those family members happy with that risk-reward factor? Uh, are they seeing you working 80, 90, 100 hours a week for very little pay? Is there another way to bring them into the business? Um, do you get bring in, say, a third party? Often the best successions involve a third party that can come in and be – almost a mediator, an arbitrator between generations uh, and how to actually achieve a successful um, succession. That then, again, places a, an emphasis on you know, the need to get advice rather than have people who are close you know, together, who are, who are bonded by, by blood, if we can put it that way, yes. um, uh, who will naturally clash. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> it just happens. Families do this, um, yeah. and then the, the, the mediator, whether it's a lawyer or whether it's an accountant. In this case, we're looking at people with financial expertise. And one of the important things that also matters in this context isn't just how the businesses survive through. The, the financial distress that they're experiencing as a result of a pandemic that has sent everybody in a, you know, 
trough and a panic to some, some degree. It's where you move on policy grounds. Um, if we take the Christmas theme for a moment, perhaps not stretch it to complete absurdity, but uh, it seems to be a convenient time to think about what um, ought to be you know, thought about at a time when things are supposed to be quietening down. What, what, what should people be thinking about this Christmas, this quiet time in terms of policy? Yeah, in terms of policy. Well, first of all, I'll take uh, from a business point of view, if you are heading into a quiet time, it's, it's a time to reflect, take some leave because it's been a really tough three years and it's going to be a difficult 2023. So take some time to reflect uh, and go and, go and speak to your advisor. In that reflection, speak to your advisor. Now, on the policy front, what we'd hope to see from the government um, my government this time, I mean federal government, uh, is maybe targeted policy initiatives, targeted initiatives that help build small business capability, small business management capability. And for me, that's around encouraging small business, providing incentive to the small business to go and seek advice. Now, to, to us, that's the quickest way to build business management capability. You can't wait months or years to go through a course and learn how to do it. So we think government can nudge behaviour through incentives to speak to their account. Now, we don't think there is any advantage in government um, supporting their own advisory networks. There is already an efficient advisory network, and it's called lawyers, accountants, bookkeepers. Leverage that. Most people go and see an accountant, about 88% of people, small businesses use an accountant to lodge a tax return, and about two-thirds use an accountant or bookkeeper to lodge a BAS. Leverage, government policy should be leveraging that uh, advisory network through incentives. Now, on the other side, we don't think it's advantageous for a JobKeeper-style um, intervention. We think that uh, we, we think that um, government should allow some businesses to close because that's the natural cycle of business. Open, close. It's a natural cycle of business. Interventions in the last few years, which have been creative and bold, were were right for the time for uh, COVID. Now we're moving out of it. So we don't want government policy uh, distorting the market further. We want government policy building the capability of business to manage through the environment, not distorting it through uh, unnecessary financial payments. There was um, obviously uh, been legislation sitting there and, and, and I've got to double check where it's at, but the incentives that were there and or put in place in the March federal budget related to yeah, digitisation and also yeah. training of small business staff. Is that the kind of thing that you feel is is merited and perhaps needs extension? So it, it is mer uh, merited and meritorious. Our, 
we do an annual small business survey and every year that shows that Australian small businesses lag their larger businesses and Asian and businesses in Asia on digital uptake. So very much needed. Um, and for the digital uptake, the digital uh, boost, that expires in end of June 2023. So it's really, it's a seven month, six and a half month period to try and exploit it. The skills boost goes through for another year. I think governments need to look at, sorry, the federal government needs to look at whether it's worthwhile extending it. And I think given how far many Australian small businesses are on digital uptake, I think it's merited that they have a serious look at uh, extending those programs, but also maybe complementing those with programs which provide more direction on small business on what technologies to invest in. Because what we hear from members is they are, they are overwhelmed with choice. They actually don't know what technology to invest in and they don't know how to exploit it best in their business. So sometimes a little bit more direction from business, sorry, a little bit more direction from government might achieve a better result, particularly in the small business space where they, they just don't know which technologies might be best for their business. There's something, uh, I guess the other issue with that is the fact that the practitioner who was once simply responsible for advice related to taxation, it obviously now needs to think about the conversation with their small business client about the technology and the interface that the client that suits the client um not necessarily the the practitioner's own yeah operating suite yes. <laughs> right yes. Yes. practitioner uses products a b and c that doesn't mean that products A, B, and C are necessarily going to be what what the, the client needs yeah. uh, in their own office. So there's a question of you know, what drives that decision, what drives that IT advice, isn't there? That's right. And a lot of the time it is uh, the accountant, but as you said, it goes beyond their operating system. It goes beyond their financial accounting system to, to other systems which can help uh, make the business more effective, uh, help allow the business to get to more customers through online sales. There's a whole lot of issues that uh, can be addressed through technology, but for a lot of small businesses, they don't, don't know where to go to for advice. They uh, Sometimes their account is not the expert in the space. Uh, they often have been, they might go down to a computer store and there is somebody in short pants and a T-shirt, and they don't necessarily understand the business needs. They're selling a product, and they're not looking at the entire technology stack of that business, as they call it. The the other issue with accountants uh, that I've certainly struck over almost 30 years of looking at the sector is there's a a need for people to get trained up in you know, issues related to cloud computing, etc. If that's where their advisory practice is heading, 
what are you seeing at your end in terms of where accountants are positioning themselves uh, uh, in terms of not only providing the, the traditional service but also branching out to deal with the technological challenges that clients face? So we are we are seeing more more firms move into the advisory space, uh, which is good, and it's something where we and the other accounting bodies have been encouraging for some time. But it's not it's it's a difficult process. You need different skill sets. You might need different employees. So it's not something they can switch on uh, one one day move from compliance to advisory. So it, it is a it does take an investment in developing the skills maybe new employees, um, but the benefits are there. But the problem is every every time they start to move to this advisory space, there's something that comes out from government which drags drags them back to compliance, like JobKeeper, um, like Director ID. So governments say, we, we keep saying move to the advisory space, but then governments keep dragging them back through a compliance focus. Yeah, and that's uh, that's another challenge in how you de- how you balance all those demands. Now you've been you've been very uh, generous with your time today, Gavin. And if people want to know more about where CPA Australia sits with, with with small business policy and some of the advocacy work you and your colleagues do, where can they go? So we have um, obviously go to the CPA Australia website. We have a. Uh, a submissions page which shows what submissions we have done and we'll provide you a link to that page um, also have a look at some of our uh, some of our press media releases uh, but also uh, if you look at uh, publications like accountants daily and others they often capture uh, a lot of our policy positions smart company accountants daily um, some of your work, Tom, as well, for other publications. The uh, I've been talking to Gavin Ord from CPA Australia, who's their uh, small business guru, for want of a better descriptor. Uh, Gavin, thank you for, for taking time out to have a chat with me today. Thanks, Tom, and thanks, everyone, for listening.